everybody. Welcome to Have Coffee, Will Travel Sunday Edition. Dum, dum, dum. We are your hosts. Stephen St. Clair. And Sadie K. Frazier. Good morning, everybody. Sit back, relax, and let your mind wander. So, this morning, we were talking. We were trying to decide on a topic for our podcast. And I was thinking back to... The, the recent train derailment. So we're calling this episode, What Happens When Your Train Derails and How to Get Back on Track. And judging from how this morning's going, you just never know what we might say today. Well, in all honesty, it started with yesterday's craziness. That is very true. Is that farther down in your notes, though? Yeah. Okay, so let's start by talking about the two recent train derailments, both in Ohio. Uh, the first one was like, what, 150 cars or something like that. And it was a freight train that derailed. Um, it was carrying toxic chemicals. And then the second one, I think there was like just under 100 trains. But it slid off the rails and derailed, causing a whole bunch of damage in two. But in my podcast this week, I talked about how to find yourself and discover your purpose in the messy in-between seasons of life, where I talked about a road trip analogy. And how life is like a road trip, but we also use our physical, emotional, and spiritual vehicles as the vessels to traverse life with. So if you use that train analogy and the train derailment, what would you rather be? Do you want to be the well-oiled, seasoned, powerful steam train rolling down the tracks like a... (laughs) Was that Harry Potter? Chugga, 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 chugga. That they were in Scotland with the beautiful, breathtaking scenery? Yeah. Or would you rather be that 150-pound bully barreling down the tracks, ready to derail and implode and take it out on everybody else around you? We know a lot of people that spew those toxic chemicals ourselves. in Scotland. Well, yeah, but we know a lot of people that spew those toxic chemicals at everybody that they come in contact with anyway. Um, We get enough of that in our daily lives and our work lives. Well, on social media, too, you got to take that into account. It's much easier... For someone to sit behind a screen and throw crap at you than it is to do it face-to-face. It's very true. Although I have enough people that do it face-to-face, too. But sometimes I feel like it's because they're too stubborn to admit that they need to change. So they would rather just derail everybody else and take away their happiness than they would to actually admit that there's a problem and find the strength and the cojones to change. So, after all, misery loves company, right? So they say. Don't be that guy. Or Or, girl. Or girl. Mm -hmm. Not mentioning any names. Okay, so let's talk about some derailments. What kind of derailments Um, are we discussing? Mind, body, um, spirit, money, home. I mean... Mm -hmm. We we so often think about um, the tasks at hand for the day. Like, um, when you think about your daily routines, like I I'm I like I'm a sleeper. Like I cannot take a shower first thing in the morning. I'm a right before bed. The hot water relaxes me a little bit, then I climb into bed. Whereas my compatriot here takes takes a insomniac. (laughs) <laughs> takes a shower in the mornings. Yep. But the reason why I get up at the last minute is because I don't allow, 
I don't like to think about what's going to go on in my day, especially if it's a day I'm not looking forward to or I've got to go to the hospital for a blood draw. I'm already stressed about things ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So I'm already setting myself up for derailment or even self-sabotage. Before you even walk out the door. Before I even walk out the door. I'm Mm -hmm. just already, my negative hormones are kicking in. And it's it's a hard thing to keep your own long black train on the tracks. That's right. One of the things that I've heard Mel Robbins on her podcast talk about too is that, like, she doesn't want you to set your alarm. You're supposed to just, I mean, you can set your alarm, not your snooze button. So when you get up, you shut it off, you get out of bed. And that started with her. I think she she was an alcoholic. She had all kinds of issues she was going with, and her train had literally derailed. So she started by saying, I've got to do this. So she shut off her alarm. She counts down five, four, three, two, one, and she launches herself out of bed. And then you face the task at hand instead of running from them. So the easiest way to derail yourself is to get in your own head before you ever start your day. Yeah. And we find we find that that's a part of our lives lately. And I think the general theme, I'm going to use the word that's not a correct word, being an author, I know it's not the correct word, but stuckness. It's the, hmm. what do you call it, the wash, rinse, repeat cycle. Yeah, you get stuck in those daily cycles. It's hard to get out of because you're just used to it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that's just how it is. You become more accepting of what is rather than what could be. Yep. And <laughs> that's very deep. And then a lot of times, instead of doing a little bit to propel yourself forward, we sit back and we're like, well, what's the point? We just sit back and wait for... Th- How many times have you and I waited for the magic to arrive? Let's get real. Sometimes it's not coming. Sometimes you got to make it happen <laughs> yep. yourself. There's nobody coming to save you. It's not coming. We have to make the magic and learn to move. Um, some of that, too, I think the stuckness comes from grieving not just the loss of i'm not just talking the loss of someone that you love but what about the loss of yourself for me i'm grieving my age not like i don't feel the age i am do you sometimes do you sometimes it's it's not no it's not even that it's just the how out of shape i am yeah what Um, we've done to our bodies what how on track we were as of last fall mm-hmm. to then lose ourselves over the winter. Yep. You know, and, and we'll talk about that here in a minute when we talk about our physical bodies and the derailments that we've faced. Um, but as far as the, like the grieving and the loss, I mean, I'm feeling it as far as knowing that, I guess when you're little, you think about your parents and then you also have a set of grandparents. So there's like a hierarchy of two different generations that are ahead of you, and they're in charge, right? So, and then you have kids, and you become a parent, and all of a sudden you're in charge. Fine, but you can still go to your parents for advice. You can still reach out to your grandparents and listen to their stories and their advice. What happens when you no longer have grandparents to ask that advice to? What happens when your parents are now aging, or half of your sets of parents are gone? Then... You start worrying about other things. Like, I think I woke up one day and I was like, holy crap. We are that generation we are, now. We are it. We have grandkids that are now listening to our stories. And we have kids that are now listening to our advice. And suddenly we're the older generation. And that kind of terrifies me sometimes. We are on the cusp of empty nesting, like I've men- mentioned before. And honestly, grandki- grandkids are the best thing in the world. I think they make you feel young again and kind of forget the troubles of the world. But... 
I've also woke up and realized I'm a freaking grandma. You're a grandpa. How did we get here? Like, we just got married, right? Yeah. <laughs> We've been together 23 years, and it feels like we were just together. What happened to the last 23 years? We both became early grandparents. Yeah. yeah we watched, yeah. I mean, our grandchild and our daughter grew up at the same time. Yeah. You know, she, she's 16. Talk about derailment. 15, 16, Yeah. She derail well, she's a good example to use for this, though. Jen is a perfect example to use for talking about derailment. She became a single mom at 15, 16 years old. I think she was 16 by the time she had CJ, but in some ways she didn't even let that derail her. She just took life by the horns and still lived it. We might have not agreed with the choices that she was making at the time, but she's always been a good mom. She's always known what to do, and he's always been taken care of and loved and well cared for so and then throw in physical issues and things like that she could have well me if I was in her situation I'd have thrown up my hands a long time ago and been like why why do I have to live like this between seizures and Crohn's and all that but somehow she's found the strength within her to just continue on and not let it derail her so all right so should we talk about our derailments? Sure. Where we can share some of our stories and maybe um, encourage you guys to get back on track. So let's think back to, let's start with, I'm going to start with spiritual. Sure. That's kind of an important topic. And we're not uber religious people. We believe in God. We don't go to church and sit in us. Does God have Ubers? Does God have Ubers? Does he have an Uber service? What? Okay, he just derailed me completely because I have <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. You said Uber. I'm like, does God have Ubers? I said Uber. Uber drivers. Okay. That'd be the preachers. Okay. <laughs> Uber drivers are the preachers of our life. There you go. Okay. Sorry, Sorry for the derailment. Well, like I, I said, today. I just had to stop and think for a minute. Huh. It's, it's Stephen's book of imponderables within his brain. <laughs> well, that's a... I know. We don't even want to go there. That's a scary derailment that we don't have time for today. Echo, echo, echo. (laughs) All right. So back to spiritual derailments. If you want to know a little bit of background, I guess, maybe let's, let's go back a little bit. We were raised in a church that ultimately became a cult following. I I would say so. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about that, especially when we lived in a certain city. And there was all kinds of stuff that happened there. But so in saying that, we shied away from that. Once we got together, once we pulled away from everybody else and we lived within ourselves, just our little circle. I ran. Yeah. I moved. Yep. But we, I think we pulled away from God for a while. Not necessarily God, but the whole idea of religion, Christianity. I think when you're forced to believe a certain way growing up, and then you realize you no longer have to stay within those boundaries. Mm-hmm. You question everything. And you, you throw out everything. And then one by one, you pull back in what makes sense. And you leave everything else that doesn't. Yep. You almost have to start over, which is kind of where I'm at. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's kind of the scary part, too. Once you tear apart the foundation that, of or the beliefs of everything you've ever believed in, what do you do with it? When you look at the unknown and you're like, Wow. I'm not sure what I believe in. I'm not sure what to believe in. 
How do you how do you put that all back together? You take the bits and pieces, like you said, and you start building your foundation again. But it's kind of scary because it makes you literally question everything. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that thing I said quite a while ago when I asked you if you'd ever heard about the more than one flood account. Yeah. Go ahead and go ahead. Yeah, you could talk about that a little bit too, as far as. Yeah. I mean, sometimes... I'll, I'm going to go ahead. I'll let you tell that story in just a second here. He's actually dealing with a dog who's being naughty <laughs> and pulling some stuff out of the trash can. Um, so he'll be back in just a second. But I'm going to talk a little bit about my biggest spiritual derailment again, and then you can kind of talk about that with the flood situation. Sorry, our show got derailed. <laughs> There's always something to be exciting here in our household. Um, I would say when we lived in Missouri would be my biggest spiritual derailment. And that started at a young age. I was, I was not super young, but I feel like I had a pretty strong church foundation behind me up to about 15, 16 years old when we moved to Missouri. And even then it was terrifying. Like I remember leaving my friends. I was, I was like a junior sophomore end of my sophomore year. That's not a real great time to just uproot your life and then say, okay, well, we don't believe anything we used to believe. Let's move here and believe this now. And you follow your parents. You follow your parents' decisions. And what felt right at the time, it worked for us. I still believed in God. I still followed all the, all of those things. But then some things happened, and that's where I'll get into that someday. I'm not going to talk about it today, but that's where one of my first biggest traumas happened in my life. And it happened with one of our church members who was basically, we're going to well, call him the Bishop of Zion. That's what he was. Someone that you should be able to trust that clearly the women in the church, the younger women my age, should not have trusted. He's now in prison for even worse things. But that derailed me. I mean, knowing that you were told to trust this person, and then even after those things happened, inviting him back into your home because that's what you were meant to believe in. You know, we can't possibly go against him even though he molested half the congregation. We can't go against him. He is a church leader. He's the founder mm-hmm. of this this movement and we have to, you know, we have to love him and forgive him and accept him. So, that's where I got off track and started thinking this isn't right. This can't be right. This can't be the God that I serve or the church that I serve. But being, what, 16 years old, you can't just jump ship and be like, okay, well, I don't believe that way anymore, or question your parents' um, decisions. So, yeah. And the fact that, you know, there was, you you were just told to, you know. Suck it up. Be quiet. and yep. You know. It wasn't that bad. Just move on because he is who he is. And I'm telling you right now that that kind of mentality is not okay under any circumstances. And there's a lot of people that are going to have to pay for those kind of decisions that they make children be quiet, you know. Either way, that got deep, but it's not okay. And you never have to put up with that. You stand up for yourself. I didn't know that then. There would be a whole lot of different situation happening now with the woman I am today. But let me go back and say that I've used this stuff in my podcast before. It was still a lesson I learned. Would I take that part of my life away? I wouldn't, honestly. It was horrible. It was awful. And 
whether anybody else knows this, I've told you this, but there was part of my life during that time that I questioned whether I even wanted to live because I, I thought if this is all my life is and this is what I'm meant for and I have to be stuck in this same cycle of oh. trauma and pain and being yeah. terrified and being sick, I didn't want to do it. Your grandma pulled you through a little bit, yeah. didn't she? My grandma is the reason why I'm still here because we had a lo- we shared a bedroom at the time. I was I had a bedroom and a bathroom closet, I think, <laughs> and she was in my regular room. But we had a lot of late night talks where she finally just said, I know you're not okay, let's talk. And she was literally the only, like you and I knew each other back then. Mm-hmm. You were several years younger than me, and then I was kind of your mentor. You looked up to me. You had no idea what I was even going through. No, nope, we didn't know until after the fact. Yeah. But, like I said, lesson learned. I'm a stronger person because of it. It's all come full circle. In fact, I was able to write a letter while I was pregnant with our first child to the courts saying, you know, everything that I wasn't able to say for myself as a as a young teenager, I said as a woman healing from trauma, he can, he has to be stopped. He cannot do this to anyone else. And it was it was cathartic, it was healing and it's something that should have been done for me to protect me long ago. But like I said, it derailed me spiritually. And then later after we, you know, I I went through a lot of stuff with my ex-husband, we got a divorce. We had family members that turned on us because of spiritual connection, not on no, no, let's Act let's of. rephrase that. Not a spiritual connection, a religious tie to the same cultish church that said you're not allowed to be divorced and still be a part of my family. Those wounds and those bonds have been healed. I would say we're well on the way to being past that situation. But it didn't mean it didn't derail me. And it made me question if I was even worth, like, I was afraid to pray for a while. It was like, well, if they're right and I got divorced and I'm not allowed in the family, then... Why would I be allowed to pray to God or to ask him for anything or to be a part of, you know, who he is because I felt dirty or unclean or not enough? What's your biggest spiritual spiritual dream or time in your life you questioned? I think I've questioned everything for a long time. Like I said earlier, um, when you come to the realization that you no longer have to follow what's been given to you or told you had to believe in you're left standing there like well now which way do i go mm-hmm. and that that leaves the door wide open for you to figure it out for yourself and religion the thing i always thought about religion and faith are two different things yeah religion is a sign that you hold over your head that says i go to this church Faith is something that you hold the sign within your heart and say, this is what I believe in. It's more of a personal relationship. It's a personal personal creed. Um, so when all of that came into question, I'm like, I, I don't know which way to go. Mm-hmm. So I, I, and I'm still there. I'm still standing in the doorway. And it's kind of like... Um, one person believes in ghosts, the next person doesn't. 
And it's, you know, what is that defining moment for that person that said, well, I believe in ghosts Mm -hmm. versus the person that hasn't had an experience. It's like, well, I've never had that experience, so I don't believe. It's kind of where I'm at. Do you you believe because you had the experience or do you believe because you had faith that someone else told you it was true and you just believed? I went along with what I was told to go believe in. And that's not that's not fair. You should never you got to have those conversations with your kids that teaches them to question everything until they have the facts and the proof, not stories that are based on parables. Mm -hmm. Yes, those parables had lessons and, you know, whatever. But I, I don't believe anything unless I can, I can, it can be proven to me. And that's probably making a few people upset, but it's, it's the truth. I, that is how I believe that um, <clears throat> it's much easier to be able to convince a person of something being real or factual or whatever if you can prove it to them. Yeah. I think, let's use my grandma as an example. I've had experiences that are, I don't care what word you want to use, ESP, paranormal, whatever. I don't even know what word to call it, but... When we lived in Grand Island, my mom and dad were out of town and I ran to the store to get my grandma and I some snacks and we were going to watch some movies and do our thing when everybody's gone and just have fun. And I went to the store and I'm shopping and I have a whole cart full of groceries and I hear, Chrissy, help me. I fell. I can't get up. And I'm not making light of this sentence. I've fallen and I can't get up. But (laughs) I literally heard those words in my head. And I stopped in the middle of the grocery store. I was almost ready to check out anyway. But I stood there for a second and I just head to toe goosebumps. And I followed my gut. I left my cart full of frozen everything. All kinds of snacks. I mean, my cart was full. Left it in the store. Drove home as fast as I can. When I walked through the front door, guess what I found? My grandma was laying in the middle of the floor with her arm cut wide open, clear to the bone, bleeding all over the place. And she said... I don't know how you heard me, but I called out for you and I asked for help. There's no explanation for that. There is no, like, so I'm using that as an example because you believe me. You believe that that really happened. You know the story. It's true. You know my family. You've heard the story before. But you still question, like, well, how does that happen? How, How does that work? Your work, your mind works differently than mine because you've never had that kind of experience. So you and I have talked about this stuff before, and you've said, "I want my well, own experience." I think like there's that. a trust factor. Like, yeah, if you just met random Joe Blow off the street, and man, I just saw this person jump from the sky and then disappeared. Sure, you're mm, yeah, cracked out. Yeah, but if you're with somebody that you've known almost your whole life, yeah. that you know them to be truthful in everything they say, and when they say something like that, it's like, okay. It's because there's not, there's, it's the trust factor. It's like, can you trust what they're saying to be real? Can I, can I interject for a minute? Mm-hmm. Um, years ago, and I've said this before, um, I've really only ever had one unexplainable event happen in my life that just blew me away, and it still does. So quite a few years ago, my wife and I and our oldest daughter, our oldest daughter, we share kids, um, we were laying in the front yard late at night, watching the stars. I don't know how we got Megan to do that. I don't know. She, you know, anyways. Back when she still loved us. Yeah. <laughs> so we're laying 
um, I'm a blanket looking up at the stars, and I'm just like, it was so beautiful, and I was like, oh, I didn't say anything because I, I I saw something pass in front of my field of vision, and I come in and went, oh, and then Sadie next to me was like, did you see that? I'm like, here's my truth moment. Mm -hmm. I asked her, I said, what did you see? And she goes, she explained exactly what I saw, and I said, here's what I saw. Our stories matched up exactly. Mm -hmm. And of course, I think Meg was sleeping, so we couldn't count on her. <laughs> I wouldn't have asked her anyways, because, mm -mm. you know, kids don't always have that perception that adults have, and, and, it, and I guess it can work both ways. But that was one of those two where uh, I could trust in what Sadie was saying, and we used each other as a checks and balance, but that was one of those unexplained things that I'm like, now I'm like, well, crap, now what do I do? Now I just saw something that I can't mm -hmm. explain because what I saw was an object above me in the air, no sound, large curved wings and a, a body of, you know, in all, in all essence, it, or whatever you want to say, it, it looked like, you, does everybody remember the movie from the late 80s, 90s, Predator, when he used his cloaking ability and you can almost kind of see through him? That's what I saw. I saw this mirage-type thing in the sky, but I could see the stars through it, and it had curved wings. It basically looked like an airplane with curved wings, but there was no sound mm -hmm. whatsoever. And it just kind of arced over and then out of view, and I'm just... I was I've got, I got goosebumps. It might be because the window's open, but um, <laughs> when I saw that, I'm like, oh. And then you had a similar sci-fi experience, but it was broad daylight. Mm -hmm. That was when I was with Jen coming home from Walmart late one night, right over by the interstate, right by the bridge, and I swear they were like Tie Fighters, or <laughs> that's what it looked like. They were like circular. I mean, they are UFOs because they're unidentified. Was it but late, late evening? It was, yeah, it was like 10 o'clock at night. It was dark, but you could see them, and they were low. They were not anything like I've ever seen in my entire life. Were they making... Jen and I pulled over. There was no sound as far as I know. But you, other people saw it though too, yep. right? There so. were several people that pulled over to the side of the road and were watching them, and I think I texted you or called you and said, you're not going to believe this, but... You know, I mean, how do you explain that to other people? There's things that we all see, that we all believe, that we all go through. And it's a matter of trust. It's a matter of of faith that there's more out there than what we know of. And I think that's what shapes my whole belief system is we don't know half of it. We don't no. know probably a quarter of what we are supposed to know. I, I've, <clears throat> I don't put a lot of, I don't want to say stock in what I see on TV because you know, you're raised to question. I, I was, I raised myself questioning everything. So when I watched, we were raised not to question. Yeah, you know, but yes, do as you're told. Not as, you know. yep. But there's a, a a show or two that I've seen. I won't mention the names, but um, things have come up on that show that I'm like, huh. So, you know, it's um, what do you do when things are given to you and you're like. Kind of like when I mentioned earlier about there being a second uh, flood account. Mm -hmm. it, I just remember like, 
hearing that, and I was like, there's no way. But and then again, and this is just, please don't shoot me, anybody's listening. Um, when you hold the keys to the castle, you have absolute power until dethroned. So, in something I've said, and like I said, if I'm wrong, please prove it to me. Like, actually prove it to me. Um, there have been periods of time in man and women's religious history where less than intelligent people were basically force-fed what to believe in. And so those organizations led by mankind um, were in power. They took advantage of those unintelligent people, meaning those that could not read, and basically told them... Oh, I totally thought you were talking about the United States government, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Careful, I'm going to scoot away from you now. In case there's a sniper on our window. No, but my point was, um, in watching a show, I listened, or I heard about a book called The Books of Enoch. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? I know of the biblical figure Enoch, but... So long of the short, there are things that we live in an era where now we have the really the limit um, fr freedom freedom of speech really comes into play, and where decades even hundreds of years ago, if you would have uncovered um, books that were tied to people back in biblical times that were figures of importance, you just it would have been shut down. You just you don't dare go against say the Catholic Church who was. Mm -hmm you know, the, the largest power, seat of power in all the world. So, it, it, you know, I started uncovering all these um, things. I'm like, huh, if they've been in control of whole governments, mm -hmm. what, what else would they be hiding? Mm -hmm. You know, so, and, I, and I'm not, I know I have no, like, whatever you want to call it, um, but it's just, you begin to question things when you start like, oh, books of meaning. Why wasn't that in the Bible? Why, where did this, you know, you start mm -hmm. asking things. And when you live in an era that you're allowed to ask questions, hell, you're even encouraged to ask questions. It's like, okay, let's do this. Yep. Same way with the thing that Sadie and I saw flying overhead. It's like, there was a time when you didn't talk about stuff like that. Even now pilots are coming forth and saying they have to report things and when they see aerial phenomenon that are of an unexplained nature they're required to report it and previously they were shut down You're like you don't talk about this it doesn't go outside of this room if you do you'll be drawn and quartered well probably not that last part but yeah. derailments people but in saying that those spiritual derailments that we've experienced or even the questions that you have don't they, in, a, in essence, get us back on track anyway? They change our perspective. They help us grow. We learn from those experiences. But I think it all comes full circle and we always get back on track. So no matter or what... Or a you're, different track. That, yeah. yeah, exactly. I've hopped tracks how many times? I'm on a better track now than I was before because of those learning experiences. Yeah. Even when you're derailed, it's not something that is going to affect the rest of your life. I used that example in my podcast that I did this last week. Pull over to the side of the road. Let's talk about the road trip of life again. Pull over to the side of the road, figure the heck out, and get back on the road. 
get back on the track, whatever, switch tracks, but don't let that, don't let the past mistakes or the past questions define who you are, learn from it, come up with a new belief system and move forward. Yep. Sometimes those derailments in life can actually take you to better places. Yeah. And that kind of leads us into our next, the biggest physical derailments that we've had. And we're going to talk about the derailment that we had that got us there, but then we've derailed again. Here we are. (laughs) A year later, in the same boat we were in a year ago, even though we made tremendous progress in between. So my biggest physical derailment like years ago was having meningitis. And that actually is what held me back from doing this podcast in the first place or podcasting with you in the first place. I have a hard time sometimes where I will wake up, I have brain fog, I've got fibromyalgia too, but I have effects from meningitis that come out of the blue from nowhere. You add on menopause, brain fog, and hormonal changes, and sometimes I'm a blubbering idiot. Sometimes where you're talking, you know, in complete sentences, I'm like, and then we went down the road but i might say like one time i told you to check the microwave when you were getting out of your car and i meant mailbox like i might get the first letter right but sometimes i say a completely different word i actually slipped up was it last night yeah what did i say i don't remember it had to do with your cord but you said you were gonna go you put the box in the microwave instead of the cord was in the office or something yeah i had never faux pod like that before i'm like wow it is bedtime but I do it all the time, and honestly, it was my own insecurities and my own lack of self-esteem or worrying what you guys might think if I screw up those words and sound like an idiot that held me back from doing this podcast in the first place. And I've decided maybe it's my age, maybe it's just the fact that I'm so tired of living in the past. I don't care anymore. I want you guys to accept me for who I am, faults, quirks, mixed up words and all. And I promise to give you the best version of myself that I possibly can along the way. So the second derailment, do you want to talk about yours first? And then we'll get into our third one. But Yeah. Um, you were definitely derailed. I, genetics plays such a goofy part in everybody's lives that you don't think about what you could end up with in life until it happens. Um, so... Everybody has families that have, well, Uncle Bob has this, or Aunt Janie has that, or, you know, Grandma, you know. Anyway, so my derailment was when my thyroid crashed a couple years ago, and it came out of the blue in an unexpected way that I thought literally my whole body was shutting down. Mm -hmm. And that's severe anxiety. Yeah, it just so many things were just one system after another was crashing and i had my physical and and it it was sporadic too when things would come up well then when i had my physical the doctor's like well hey your thyroid's out of whack and that's like kind of panicked i'm like okay and then finally i was like well when i had all the pieces to the puzzle in front of me i ended up with uh, hypothyroidism at first, and then it spiraled even more, and it flipped to Hashimoto's disease. But not only that, I'm vitamin D deficient. Which now has led to, is it hyperparathyroidism? Yeah. Now your parathyroid is affected. And you can want better health all you want, 
But until you get up off the couch or you... Luckily, I had someone to help me who I in turn helped back. But last spring, we like, all right, we're going to do this. We start... Well, let's, let's back up a little bit in... It was towards the end of spring. Our doctor left, so I had to have my physical. Yeah. We both were switching doctors, so then I went in to have my physical done, and all my blood work comes back. All of a sudden, I have type 2 diabetes. And I think I yelled and kicked and screamed and cried for a few days, and I'm like, how is this fair? Like, I, I'm the type of person that's not a sweet person. I will eat Cheetos. I will eat chips. I'm a carb person, which you don't think about it being sugar-related. And what carb converts into. Yeah, well, Mr. Ice Cream and snack stuff over here, cinnamon roll cake, Texas sheet cake making, Mr. doesn't have yeah. diabetes. No, and the funny, like, funny part is my labs still come back decent. Yeah. But. You're on the top end now, though, so we uh, have yeah, to watch I, too. I have to be careful now more. But now go back to what you were saying. So once I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes last spring, we decided to make a change. Yep. We started walking every day, and it was across the street. <laughs> Sans COVID. And we were just, we'd make a couple loops. We really, we, at my heaviest I've ever been, I was, I'm just going to straight up say I was 320. I think it was like 318, but when you're that heavy, you might as well just say 320. So by the end of the come into fall, I think I weighed myself again. I had dropped to two ninety eight, so I essentially had lost twenty pounds. Yeah. Now that that's nothing to scoff and at. I had that's lost fifteen. And now the getting into the winter time, I put on ten of that twenty. Now in my mind, I'm like, well, sweet, I didn't gain it back all my weight, but. The other side is, no, you dummy, you only gained gained half your weight. All that work just to gain. So I, in my mind, I only halfway failed, but half a fail is still a fail. Yeah. So now we're coming up on spring. We need to get our butts in gear. And I think this year we're going to have to up the game a little bit. We're going to yeah. have to, we know where we went. However, we're not going to start off the year by going to West Oak Trail. No, that was that, awful. That was a derailment. That I will never suggest again. We were not in shape for that. Even Hitchcock was... It wasn't bad. It's still... Like, we did it, though. We, 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 we didn't did die. Do it, no. Did you die? <laughs> I left pieces of me all over the dirt. I We felt like we were going to Physically die. fell apart. But so much of what we do is related to what's in your head at that time. And honestly, I've said this in other podcasts before... In the middle of physical derailment, exhaustion, we weren't prepared either. That was no, another stupid. Um, my, I had two things that saved me. One was my wife, and two was my cell phone. That was in my pocket. That I have a large iPhone or a iTunes library of music. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm putting on freaking music to get my butt moving, and that, that honestly, was at the bottom of a huge hill that we didn't think. Oh yeah, it had on. like a thirty five percent. Up, you know, uptake, yep. and I put on music. And between my wife saying, "Come on, honey, you can do it," and she would run ahead. I wouldn't say run. Um, she went ahead of me up the hill, myself <laughs> up the hill, and um, I made it. And when we got to the point where we were, we knew it was flat. We were done with the hills. We could see the car. If you watch our vlog that I think was put out, 
I almost broke down on on camera because we had pushed ourselves farther than we'd ever done before. And I'm telling you, when you derail yourself in such a manner that you lose all, you you don't even care anymore. You are up and down and. Mm -hmm. So it's... I think it was that moment that we realized how far backwards we'd gone. Like, how, how did you get here to where you can't even make it up this hill? Yeah. You know, like, what did you do to your body? I had an out, but I didn't want to take it because there was a sign that said, no trespassing. Well, you don't know the other person that's on the other end of that rifle behind that gate, behind that sign that says, no trespassing. You don't know if they're, to what extent they're going to uphold that no trespassing law i'm like no let's just keep going that's a good analogy you never know we didn't take the easy way out we, we could we have did we didn't know the pitfalls that were behind that gate so I, we chose door number two and we, we pushed through and i think we were probably it was a little ways towards the end what we thought right yeah and then it was about the time when i brought up lord of the rings yep it was beautiful and it was i will i will be in so much better shape and you know the funny part about that is we looked the maps weren't correct they were a little bit outdated and they weren't very um specific so when we looked at a topographical map a county map after that we actually could have kept on going and mm -hmm. ended up in a campsite but it was so far and the funny part about all this is the time span was only three hours or so yeah but it felt like eternity <laughs> it did and we were so exhausted and so beat by the time we got even to our car. Mm -hmm. So unprepared. But that's, that's what life is, people. It, you, you cannot be prepared for everything that comes your way. You have to do the best you can. You have to use the resources at hand. And you and, just have to go. And we got back on track. That's the thing. We, we were faced with the choice last spring. We were faced with a medical, couple of medical situations that we knew by getting out there and moving and being physical and taking vitamin D and being outside, those were all going to help. We changed the way we ate completely. We yeah. were watching the carbs. We did perfect. And then we just, no, we did during that time. And we completely derailed again. There was no excuse for what we did starting in the fall, clear yeah. through this week. I mean, it's there's just no excuse yeah. for it. It's... It, you can't be real down on yourself when you do fall off the wagon, but do be down on yourself if you don't get back. Sometimes off you it. need it though. Like right now, I need that kick in the butt with our money, with everything we've been talking about lately. It's like, knock it off. <laughs> Just get back on track. I mean, don't be hard on yourself. No, but give yourself a kick in the butt once in a while and say, you know, shake yourself and say, what are you doing? So I think, again, my analogy with Robert Frost and the two paths that diverge, we're faced with two choices again. We can change nothing and die early, or we can step into our true authentic selves that are hidden underneath layers of fat and shame and stagnancy, and we can move forward, which is what we plan on doing again. So We'll be dripped and draped. That's right. Dripped in mercy and draped in grace. And chocolate. And chocolate. Okay. No more. Oh, uh, no, don't even say the word coffee. Okay, so I guess another one would be um, another way that you can get derailed, which we are facing head-on right now for a whole lot of reasons, is even money, finances. I, I'm looking back at the beginning of the year, this notebook that we used to put notes on for this podcast. 
I realized at the beginning of this notebook, it's like author, finances, physical health, emotional health, home, all these goals that we have. And the first one on finances, debt-free, savings, earn, in, earn extra income, travel money, live abundantly, retire early. Yeah, well, I might as well take a big black or red permanent marker and just cross that off. Because guess what? We screwed up just about every way possible. We've never had credit cards before because we didn't have good enough credit to due to divorce before with me. Rebuilding your credit, just having kids. We lived with our means. We were broke. A lot of times didn't know how we were going to make it, especially with five kids. Then as they kind of came and went, we started having a little bit more money to do things, but we still shopped a lot of Goodwill furniture. Yeah, we still do. It's everything. Fun. Yeah, well, besides the fact that we loved a thrift shop, it also was living within our means. And then we got a credit card. And then we got another credit card. And then it was like, hey, guess what? Experience says because of our good credit with these two, you're now approved for a $1,000 limit. Wow, yay! Dun, no, dun, dun. guess what? We're thousands of dollars into debt with credit cards, finger hut, affirm payments. People stay away from buy here, pay here situations. We decided last fall, we're tired of not having furniture for the last 20 some years that we didn't get it there, that we got a Goodwill. So... Look, Amazon sells furniture now and end tables. And we outfitted our living room for the first time in 20-some years. Great. But you know what? We nickeled and dimed ourselves to death because we have a firm payments up the butt that are $8, $11, $12. Guess what? That adds up to a hundred and some dollars a month, 200 and some dollars a month. Your credit card payments. And I'm just getting fired up here. But it's because we're hard on ourselves. We sat down yesterday and looked at our finances Trying to plan this trip to go see Megan and Baby. Nina, my stepmom, we love you very much. Thank you for the wake-up call. <laughs> Wants us to, I mean, she's kicking my butt right now. Don't wait any longer to start a retirement account. She's been telling us this for years. When you got your raise, what, a year and a half ago? Yeah. Hey, guys, guess what you should do with that? You're not living within that, you know, you don't need that money. So when you get your raise, take that and put it in a retirement account. Okay, that's a good idea. Want to go to Goodwill? Oh, look, we have extra money every month. Let's see how much other thing, how many other debt we can pile on. So now that takes up the rest of it. The good part is it's all, it's all manageable. It's all fixable. But it's frustrating to sit back and look at it and be like, and maybe that's where you're at right now. Maybe it's your spirituality. Maybe it's your physical body. Maybe it's your finances, your relationships, your mind. Whatever season of life you're in, it's time to stop, pull over to the side of the road, pivot, face your whatever proverbial demon that you're staring you in the eyes. And I talk a lot about trauma too. Just talked about the spiritual connection with my trauma. It can affect all parts of your life. And sometimes those derailments with the money, the home, the relationships are because you haven't dealt with your trauma in the first place. Or there's situations that you grew up with. Like with you, with you, a lot of your stuff is coming full circle because your dad died. You've been able to think for the first time without being like, you know what? He can't ever tell me what to do again. Mm -hmm. Your mom I've watched blossom because he's not there to keep her, you know. She, I remember down. the first time she's like, we talked about buying her Starbucks, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I can buy coffee anytime I want. And I can and drink I erotic tea. Yeah, and she can drink erotic tea, too. That's joke. an inside joke. Ha ha. But, you know, I see her 
question. And I remember going to, when we were down there last fall and we all went to Bass Pro together, she's like, hey, you want to go look at stuff with me? Andy, you can kind of go do your own thing. I'm taking Chrissy. Let's go look at some clothes. And yeah, that's my real name. Don't give me that look. Everybody knows what my name is. (laughs) Anyway, and I saw her like standing there looking at the clothes with me. And she's like, you can get something if you want to. You can get anything you want. And it's just, I don't even know if she realized she was saying it in the context I took it. But I saw her eyes light up. And I saw her be like, you can do this for yourself. And isn't that what self-care is? You don't have to go shopping and buy yourself all these things. That's not what I'm talking about. But just, especially if you've been oppressed and you've told that you, you're told that you can't do things, then, you know, <laughs> you're distracting me. Sorry. It would just... <laughs> It's it's amazing when you've been in an oppressive relationship, then suddenly you find freedom where your mind goes. And I, I my mom has proven to be very resilient. Yeah. And honestly, um, and I don't even care, mom, if you listen to this or not. Um, I would have ex- expected my mom to be more angry, outwardly angry. Yeah. Instead, she's been very loving and gracious and pulling in both my wife and I into the inner circle of family and I'm just like okay this is where we're at this is what we're doing yeah and it's been a nice change it's one of those derailments that was a derailment 20 some years ago but none of us let us none of us let it define us we're back on a whole different track than we ever expected and it's better than it ever has been yeah so you can't let those derailments you learn from those lessons, like I said, but you can't let them hold you back. Mm-hmm. So we had, a, we had speaking of relationships, how many derailments have we had? You and I are not a typical couple. Mm-hmm. So we don't have fights and derailments like a lot of people where it's the end-all, be-all of your relationship. But we did. We were separated for yeah. a brief period of time. And but <laughs> even our separation, <laughs> you were across the parking lot, and we literally like... I knew where my home was. Yep. You did. And you found your way back. It, it took it, a lot of... It took me walking out again. Yeah. Just slamming the door. But and to this day, too, I still don't really know. There was no definite reason. We just kind of... We fell apart. We fell apart. And in the wake of your um, Dave dad passing, yeah. um, there was just a lot of s- things, not even circumstances, it's just like... I wasn't happy at work, and you had just gotten custody of your three, and it was just, I think we were spreading ourselves too thin, and emotionally, we just were spent. I think there was part of me, too, that when I look back during that time, like, he always controlled what I said and what I did growing up for my entire life. There was a point in time in my adult life that that stopped being the case, and I wrote him a, a, a life commandment letter, as we call them, with their class that they used to teach, and said... These are the ways you hurt me, and you will never do it again. And it brought him to his knees, and he cried like a baby. And our relationship changed after that. It was never the same, and he did not control me after that. But I think there was still a part of me when he died that subconsciously, I think I took that out on you a little bit too, and was like, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. Uh, This is, you know, we just got way off track. We weren't there for each other. We were both dealing with our own stuff. We let others come between us that should have never come between us and make some decisions where that was concerned too on my end. 
and you were gracious enough to forgive me and come back home and say, enough, let's get back on track and let's do this. I had just come back from Missouri with our two girls, dropped them off, was talking about things, and just in the middle of the conversation, I got to go. Yeah. And I think it was a couple hours later, you messaged me and said, can we talk? And I was like, okay. And I went back over. Or no, you came over. Mm-hmm. And you said, I want you to come back home. And I don't I, know how we're going to get there, but we're going to mm-hmm. do it together. And then things just changed. We both went back to school. We took a family vacation, the one and only we've ever taken. The best we've ever taken. And we made memories. And here we are, 2023. I'm 47. You're... 53. And we're doing good. We've got decent jobs, sort of. Yep. We are. We're doing good. We don't own our house. We rent it, but we've got... Our, our home in all its messy messiness we have animals we have well kids that live in the basement that can't seem to but we <laughs> we what we have is our own yeah. and whether we're derailed or not we still come back together and we figure it out yeah and i think it that stems from your mind so let's let's end this with the biggest mind derailments that we can experience and i would my, uh, multiple throughout my life i can't I mean, starting from, like, when my mom and dad got divorced, probably, through my entire life, up to Missouri. (coughs) But, honestly, the worst time in my life for my mind derailment is probably right now during menopause. How many times have you had to pick me up off the ground lately? I I can talk to you. I can help you through your trauma. I can help you with anything you need help with. I have no issues with that. And I can deal with my trauma. I don't hide from my trauma. I talk about it. I work my way through But whatever this, I don't know if they're hormonal changes through menopause, whether it's just um, not not wanting to hide from the past or the baggage anymore and needing to unpack that. It's like my spirit knows, my soul knows that, hey, there's, we can't do this anymore. You've got to get back on track and make a change. Reached your limit of. Yep. So some of that stuff just emerges. Like I'll go to work and I'm like, ah it's a great day and by the time I get home I'm like bawling my eyes out I'm like but this happened like all these triggers are coming up that I mean it's about damn time after all this time you know yeah they're they're there to serve a purpose those triggers are there to remind you another thing I know you guys are probably talking tired of me talking about Mel Robbins but seriously guys she is the she is it So go listen to the Mel Robbins podcast. I'm serious. She has literally changed my life lately in the way I think of things. And it's not because she hasn't experienced trauma because she was a freaking mess and she's put herself back together. And I'm sure she still has days where she's talking on the podcast going, I have a lot of my own stuff to still deal with. But I just derailed myself on what I was going to say. But some of the stuff that she talked about, what were we just talking about? (laughs) It was about the mind derailments. Oh, your biggest mind derailment. Yeah. As far as the trauma. Oh, it was the alarms. So when you originally experienced trauma, and I know I overuse that word. It doesn't have to be. We talk about little T traumas and big T traumas. So little T traumas could be something like, you know, I mean, think about um, a Christmas story just popped into my head where his tongue gets stuck to the flagpole and he's being bullied. And there's a lot of situations of bullying in that first Christmas story. Well, those are little T traumas to him. And look at how they affected him in the in the second Christmas story. Yeah. It comes full circle. Those same kids as kids are still 
bullying his kids now. And those can become big traumas, but I'm talking about, like, rape, sexual abuse, all, you know, you you name it. All the big T traumas. Things we all know what they are. can potentially permit f- permanently derail you. Yeah. Um, but those, so when you first experience a trauma, no matter how big, no matter how small, you, an alarm goes off in your head. An alarm goes off, you feel that flight or fight response, you panic. It doesn't matter. Maybe you were even in trouble as a kid. You still have that feeling now where you said you get that gut feeling or you remember what it was like when your dad got home and you knew you were going to be in trouble. That's a that's that alarm going off saying something's not right. Something's not right. Well, later in life, when we start having anxiety attacks, our heart starts racing. We get grumpy with somebody when we don't. I mean, it just comes out of the blue. We're still feeling the effects of that first alarm going off. It's like that snooze has been dormant for years and now it's going off again. So not too long ago, you and I were talking about how, like, we love each other with a passion. We can't wait to get home together. We miss each other like crazy. There were times that we would walk through the door and we're kind of grumpy with each other. We're making dinner and we're just kind of like, kind of, you know, sandpaper against each other. All of a sudden, it dawned on me one day. I was standing there, and I was like, I know I know. part of mine was the trigger. I heard her talk about, you know, sometimes if you have experienced that kind of trauma in your past, the person causing that trauma, if it's a certain time of day or if it's a smell, it could be somebody that was dominant or controlling in your house that comes home from work at a certain time. That's what it was for me. It's that feeling right before Dad gets home from work. Right before he's going to come home, and you better hope to heck that his, you know, mood's okay, or the whole family's destroyed for the night because of his moods. So, I think recognizing those traumas, listening to those alarm bells, but learning to shut them off, flip that switch off, switch that to something else. So now I stop and I take a moment and I realize he's not here anymore. Nobody from my past is here that's threatening my relationship with my husband. So when he gets home, you better be darn sure I'm wrapping my arms around him and giving him lovings and letting him know how much I missed him instead of dealing with, you know, making excuses on why we're being grumpy. And so learn to deal with those traumas, recognize those trauma responses, those signals, but then shut that light off, get back on track. Yep. So. So speaking of trauma... Let's toss in a plug for something you got coming out soon. My book? Your book. So... It's full of trauma. It is full of trauma, but it's beautiful trauma. And her memoir is actually a beautiful disaster is the name of it. And my book is called Fragments of Hope. Um, Finally done with it. Finally done with the edits. It's uploaded to KDP on Amazon. You started that a year ago this spring. Yep. We had COVID a couple times last year that, speaking of derailment, um, I just, I couldn't write. And I'm hoping to be able to share a lot more with you on the podcast, even some YouTube, like little mini workshops and stuff on, I don't know, things like, from an author's perspective, but also rewriting the story of your trauma. But writer's block, that's a huge thing. I could not write to save my life. How many times did we go in the office, you started writing, and I'm still sitting at my computer? Half the time, I'd end up in tears and be like, I can't do this tonight. I would maybe scroll through Facebook and other mind-numbing social media stupid stuff to keep you derailed. And 
from yeah. living your best life, distracted from living your best life. But I anyway, I finally broke through all that. I learned some some ways to deal with that that I want to share with you guys coming up. But I'm really excited about this book. And it's a memoir of loss, survival, and recovery through the different stages of grief that she went through. She lost not only her daughter, but she lost her husband as well and herself in the process. So it's her struggle through grief and learning to live again, learning to, um, that Sarah Bariella's song, She Used to Be Mine. That song is my, is the epitome of my life and how I feel about myself. And I am ready to get back on track, stop myself from derailing any chance I get, switch tracks as many times as we need to, but I want to find myself again. I don't want to spend the second half of my life wishing I'd have done better, wishing I'd have gotten back on track. Remember, it's, what is it you say, not one day, but... Yeah, yeah. Is this going to be your day one? Are you going to wait for one day? Are you going to wait for some day? Or are you going to make it your day one? And I've said it over and over again. Probably when I started this podcast like 30-some episodes ago, I said, today is my day one. But you know what? A month after that, a month and a half after that, I probably said the same thing again. I fell off the tracks. I got back on course, and I said, today is my day one. And here I am a year and a half later, and guess what? Still day one. I'm derailed on almost every level of our life except for each other. But we have what it takes And I believe that you guys have what it takes also. And we're here to help. We hope that these little Sunday morning chats not only inspire you, but encourage you to do better, to be better, to do more than you ever thought possible. I agree. Got anything else? No. All right. Shocker. (laughs) I know. He's quiet for a change. I'm all derailed. I know. Your caffeine's running low. Yeah, I need more coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So we are going to go, you know, do our thing and finish laundry. I got chili cooking in the crock pot. Mm. Going to make some Marie Callender cornbread. Cornbread. I'm having cornbread. <laughs> we're just going to relax today. Probably watch some TV. Yeah. It's crappy out, so we're going to. Yep. It's too cold to really do anything outside. That's right. So we're going to nuggle. Yeah. So thanks for joining us again on another Sunday edition of Have Coffee, Will Travel. We hope that you sat back, relaxed, and let your mind wander as we talked about what happens when your train derails and how to get back on track. I have been your host, Sadie K. Frazier. Stephen St. Clair. See you on the flip side. Peace out.